Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to a rare Sunday edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. I am Steve Z, and it is actually Sunday, August 21st, 2022. My late son John would have been 33 years old yesterday had he not died uh, suddenly two years ago. Uh, so happy heavenly birthday to you, John. I have a brother who uh, his birthday is today. Mom's birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday to you guys. Several cousins also sharing and celebrating birthdays. My good friend, Crazy Curtis, yesterday celebrated his birthday as well and unfortunately lost his father um, very long productive life Mr. Curtis Sr. enjoyed my condolences to Curtis and his family as I said it is Sunday it's a rare edition of the Truth Hurts program because I'm behind the wheel of the old F-250 and traveling to New Orleans from points unknown And I have a question for all of my Truth Hurts program listeners. Have you accepted reality yet? I know, you thought I was going to say, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's a question between you and God. I'm not going to interfere in your religious beliefs. But have you accepted the reality of the recession and inflation of Joe Biden? The White House is running around, along with those in the Democratic Party, saying, look how much Joe Biden has lowered prices at the gas pump. Yes, indeed, gasoline prices right now are just about a dollar to a dollar ten cents per gallon lower than they were in June of this year. But they're still a dollar seventy-five higher than they were when Donald Trump was the president at the start of Joe Biden's illegitimate presidency. But Steve, supposedly 81 million Americans voted for Joe Biden, and he is the legitimate president of the United States. Yes, and supposedly Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama was born in the United States, not in Kenya, right? Listen, if you're going to continue to believe the lies of the left, then you will be stuck just like I am, even though I don't believe the lies of the left, with illegitimate presidencies. It's just that simple. Oh, but Steve, how can you make such a comment? Well, because those on the left made the same comment when George W. Bush beat Al Gore. Remember all of the drama, the hanging chads? Should we count this vote and that vote? in the recount of the Florida presidential election votes back at the beginning of this century? You remember? Non-stop televised coverage on all of the liberal, progressive, mainstream, leftist, woke television networks. They just tossed out another Al Gore vote. You see? They're stealing this election. You also might recall that Hillary Rotten Clinton lost to Donald Trump in 2016. And the left was screaming, this is not a legitimate election. 
the Republicans stole this election. We should not, not my president, Donald Trump's not my president. Remember all of that? Do you not remember? Of course not. You only seem to remember the things that benefit your side of an issue, your side of the story, your position. You never ever remember that you have done the exact same thing in accusing Republicans of stealing the elections in 2000 and in 2016, and God knows which other ones. You don't remember because it doesn't suit and support your radical position on an issue. That's reality. And if you cannot wake up to the reality that it happens on both sides, then you are part of the problem. My birthday brother has often brought up the topic of the two-party system in the United States of America and blames that two-party system for all of the woes. Well, there are other countries that have three, four, five, six, and more political parties. They're no better off. And then you have this group, that group, the other group, all teaming up together to oppose two or three other groups. Whatever party is in power, there will be some group of people who disagree with that party's position. And rightfully so. Take a look at our two-party system in America right now and just how badly the Democratic Party has screwed up our economy, our southern border mess, crime, inflation, recession, supply chain shortages, our position on the world stage. Remember that disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan? I shudder to think. We are also on the brink of war with China, Russia, and North Korea. Didn't have any of that while Donald Trump was president. And I'll say it again very loudly and very clearly for all of you. I do not like Donald Trump. Just don't like the guy. He's arrogant, cocky, brash, egotistical, full of himself. But one thing he is, is effective. You see, when looking at a stark contrast between qualifications to be the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of America's Armed Forces, the leader on our economy, on crime, Donald Trump is a businessman. Donald Trump has run multi-billion dollar corporations effectively and efficiently. Now, does every single solitary one of Donald Trump's businesses rack up the big wins on the record books, on the stocks? No. But no company in the history of the history of our history ever wins every single time. Even the great Mark Zuckerberg has bought companies that have flopped. Even the great Bezos has started companies that flopped. Al Copeland, the guy who founded Popeye's Fried Chicken and turned it into a worldwide restaurant concern, failed and declared bankruptcy some seven or eight times prior to hitting it big with Popeye's. Is Donald Trump the perfect businessman? By all means, no. 
He's had some flops. He's closed some unprofitable casinos. But if you look at the big picture of why some of those casinos closed, it was because in Atlantic City, New Jersey, the Democratic Party ran that city in cahoots with mob-like figures. They ran that city into the ground. And if no one wants to go to your shitty city because the crime is through the roof, then people don't flock to the casinos in your city and your casino has to close down. It wasn't because the casinos weren't making money. Hello? All casinos make money from each and every player that walks through the door. The problem in Atlantic City is people stopped walking through the doors of many of those casinos because of the high crime, the carjackings, the theft, the armed robbery, and of course political corruption by those Democratic Party leaders who ran Atlantic City into the ground as a municipality. That's reality, my friends. You just have to accept it. So anyway, back to my point. I don't like Donald Trump as a person because of his cocky, brash, arrogant, I win, you lose attitude. But that's what a nation needs. Strong leadership, decisive leadership. Someone to take a stand and then make it happen. That's what Donald Trump did. I want to close off illegal immigration at the southern border. I want to build a big, very beautiful wall. Period. That's the stand he took. Had there been Republicans in the House and Republicans in the Senate in control, we would not have the four million plus illegal trespassing criminal invading law-breaking alien invaders since Joe Biden took office. Had that wall been erected properly, completed, all people seeking asylum would get the message that you have to come through X number of points of legal entry, border stations, border crossing points. That is a funnel. You funnel all of those legitimately seeking asylum through those points of entry. And had Congress, the Democrats, given Donald Trump what he asked for and the Republican Party what we asked for, we would have had more asylum judges doing more asylum hearings. We could have properly vetted people like they do in Australia. Let me tell you, my friends, I tried to emigrate or emigrate, emigrate to Australia. I really did. Back in 2010, 2011, I was going through a, a rough patch in my own personal life. Had a job in Australia, worked there for quite a few many months. I was ready to go. I was told, well, when your travel visa expires, you need to leave. You need to go back to the U.S. And then you need to apply for a permanent residence status here in Australia. And guess what I was told? You, met, you have to meet certain qualifications. Number one, you have to have a skill set that we cannot already find in Australia. In other words, if I were a fast food worker, I have zero shot because there are fast food workers in abundance in Australia. I would not be providing them with anything beneficial to Australia's future. 
If I were a neurosurgeon, however, I think I'd get in almost immediately. They need neurosurgeons there. So somewhere as an insurance adjuster, building inspector, appraiser, codes enforcement officer, something along those lines, I think I probably could have qualified. Secondly, do you have enough monetary reserves to carry you through six to nine months if you should fall on unemployment? We're not giving you unemployment benefits. There's no welfare for you if you fail when you come to Australia. Number three, you will have to undergo a rigorous physical health examination. I had high cholesterol. They told me that might exclude you from coming. We don't want Americans with all of their health problems and all of their disorders coming to Australia to become a burden upon our health care system. If you're not healthy, we do not want you here. Three very, very important qualifications to gain access to Australia if you want to move there and get into their system and into their culture. That was reality, and it was a slap in the face. I, I thought, hell, I'm an American. They'd love to have me there. <laughs> eh, wrong answer. The United States qualifications, while there's a Democrat president and a Democrat Congress, are pretty simple. If you come here, would you be willing to vote legally or illegally for a Democrat, for president, if we allow you to come into our country illegally? See, si, yes, sure, I sure will. Okay, welcome to the United States. Bienvenidos a Estados Unidos. Come on, welcome aboard to the United States of America. That's it. They don't care whether Julio is fat, overweight, diabetic, has cancer, has all kinds of other medical issues. They don't care. Will you vote Democrat in the upcoming election? See, welcome aboard. They don't care if Hector doesn't speak a word of English or have a single marketable skill. He can't even qualify to pick up trash. Will you be willing to vote Democrat in the upcoming election? See, si. Welcome to the United States of America. Consuela, you already look knocked up. Are you pregnant? See, si. Well, come on in. Have that baby right here in Texas. We'll make you a Texas citizen, a United States citizen, and your baby will automatically be a citizen. We can't turn away pregnant mommies after all, can we? <laughs> No qualifications, no medical exams, nothing. Just invade our southern border like cockroaches in a New York strip mall restaurant. Come on in. Like rats in a Chicago bar and grill. Come on in. Like mice in a Louisville tavern. Come on in. There are no qualifications. Bring us your poor your criminals, your terrorists, your starving, huddled masses who only want to come here and try and change and radically transform the country that they wish they come to into the crap hole country they're trying to leave. It makes no sense whatsoever. 100 years ago in the 1920s, the United States of America was in the midst of a great migration of, of uh, international peoples from around the world. Sorry, I got passed rather closely there. Kind of distracted me for a moment. 
People were coming from around the globe, escaping the ravages of what was World War I. They were coming to America because we were virtually unscathed. That war didn't occur on our soils. We were building a nation, building a military. We were growing. We were expanding. We had reached from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast to the West Coast and northward from Mexico to Canada, solidifying the United States of America as what would become the world superpower and the representation of democracy. What a great and wonderful life based on Judeo-Christian morals and ethics, based upon European values from a group of colonists who sought to escape tyranny. The Boston Tea Party was not about tea. It was about the unlawful increase in the tax on iced tea, brewed tea, whatever you want to call it. T-E-A. Tea, that wonderful drink. That caffeinated substitute for coffee. The government of the King of England was imposing a massive tax increase on tea and other imported goods to the colonies. After all, they weren't making the money off of the colonists that they thought they would. There was not a great trade back and forth between England and what is now the USA. It wasn't quite how they envisioned it when they came up with their grand plan to send a bunch of people over to this new land. They thought we'd be coming back and forth every month, two months, whatever it was, by boat with loads of riches from the new land. Yeah, we had some food, we had some logs, we had some cow manure, but it wasn't the great tax that they wanted. So the King of England imposed higher and higher taxes upon the colonists, and the colonists had enough. After all, 3% tax on what we're drinking? 3%? Oh my God, they started a war over this. They seceded from Britain over a 3% tax. You checked your grocery receipt recently? Most cities, most municipalities throughout the country have sales tax on food, on tea, Coke, coffee, bread, milk, eggs, butter, bacon, Pork chops, chicken, beef, shrimp, lobster, crabs, beets and peas and corn and potatoes, rice, wheat, barley. In New Orleans, Louisiana, the sales tax is as much as 10%. Hell, that's more than three times higher than what we revolted for at the time of the Boston Tea Party. But now we, the sheeple, most of us scared to death to leave our homes because we're afraid of getting robbed, raped, stabbed, shot, carjacked, some other heinous crime. We just roll over as the government, who absolutely produces nothing, nothing at all. Yet they tax us and they increase the tax and increase the millage and increase this and that and the other each and every year continues to increase those taxes so that it can expand the size of the ever-expanding government. And then, as my birthday brother would say, 
they then expand the taxation upon the people so that they can further expand the ever-expanding government. But we the sheeple, we just roll over and take it because some kind of way we've allowed ourselves as a nation to be convinced that the government needs all of that tax money to protect us from our enemies, foreign and domestic. And yet our domestic enemies, the Democratic Party of the United States, is robbing us, raping us, stealing from us every single day of our lives here in the country. Trillions of dollars. Do you know how long it takes to count to one trillion, one second at a time? That's right. One trillion seconds. Think about that. The nation is spending trillions of dollars. It's a figure that's just made up. You couldn't find one trillion one dollar bills in this country and yet we're 30 trillion dollars in debt think about that my friends they're manufacturing money they're making it they're printing it with zero to back it up we left the gold standard many decades ago now it's supposedly the good faith and the ability of the American government to repay its debts that is the basis and backbone of our printed money. Controlled by a Federal Reserve Bank, a private corporation, the U.S. government can only adversely affect the value of the dollar when it elects clowns like Joe Biden, Camel Toe Harris to run the White House, and Nazis like Nazi, naughty, nasty Nancy Pelosi to run our House of Representatives. And morons who can only look down at cue cards as he grips both sides of a wooden podium, never looking up from above the rim of his glasses, chuckles the clown Schumer to run the Senate. But don't worry, my friends. I'm in an equal opportunity pissy mood today. So I'm going to tell you on the other side of the oil, uh, of the aisle rather, ooh, Freudian slip, on the other side of the aisle, there's a really old guy who doesn't have the balls to stand up to a Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. A guy named Mitch McConnell. A man who has far surpassed his usefulness in the United States government. All of these old fidgety farts should be gone. They should all be out of there. The question is, what leadership qualities do any of the Republicans have if and when they take the Congress back in the midterm elections? Kevin McCarthy has no balls. He's a catering, pandering guy. Of course, he likes to say that, I'm a guy who likes to deal with the other side. It's give and take in the government, and I think we need to give sometimes in order to be able to take. Wrong. What in the hell have the Democratic people of the Congress given since they took office? They've given nothing. The Republican Party has had to scrape and scrap and claw and grip and grab and grapple for every win, very few by the way, that we've accomplished. Sure, we've stood up and voted against many of these 
draconian Democratic Party socialist agenda. The problem is there's leakage in the Republican Party. Republicans in name only, like the see you later Liz Cheney and those other 10 turncoat, our other nine rather, turncoat Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump, who was, by the way, acquitted not once, but twice on two separate sham, phony, made up, fairy tale impeachment attempts. I told you on the Truth Hurts program last week that eight out of the 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump have either made it clear, resigned, retired, decided not to run again at all, or they were soundly, soundly defeated in the midterm primaries this last week. Liz Cheney, one of those casualties, thank God. A woman who claims to be a true conservative and yet voted against everything that Donald Trump tried to push through. Every conservative measure, like, you know, securing our border from illegal, criminal, trespassing, law-breaking invaders. Yeah, she voted against that. She voted against virtually every conservative process, program, procedure, proposal. Everyone. Because... If it were tied to Donald Trump, a man she truly despises for some reason, she had to vote against him. Even though it was against the will of the people she was elected to represent in Wyoming. Wyoming and its 19 residents, and I say that jokingly, Wyoming has so few in their population that they only get one representative in Congress. They put their faith in the daughter of a former Republican vice president named Dick Cheney, the guy who really ran the White House during George W. Bush's years in the White House. They had no idea that Liz Cheney, who I believe is either a lesbian or a transgender, I'm not sure which, or maybe she's a little bit of both. If you look at her picture and you take off her hair in a Photoshop, and you look next to Dr. Richard La, uh, Rachel Levine of the Department of Health and Human Services, I really think they're the same guy. I really do. They look like they could be twins. Only Liz Cheney's not quite as obese, as fat, as sloppy as Dr. Richard uh, uh, Rachel Levine. Anyway, I digress. Many people in the Republican Party claim to despise Donald Trump. And they try to use things like, he sent out mean tweets. He's kind of irrational. He just kind of fires from the hip. And all these other excuses to hate Donald Trump. But in the world of politics, politicians make strange bedfellows. You have Republicans and Democrats who got together in a concerted effort to depose Donald Trump while he was the president. Not because of anything to do with Donald Trump's attitude or his ego, but strictly because we have to make damn sure we never, ever, ever elect another person to the office of the presidency that is not a member of the good old boys club of politicians. He was an outsider and he was living 
proof, the live embodiment of the reality that if you take an outsider, someone not politically connected, someone who hasn't worked in the good old boys politician network and put him in the presidency and he succeeds, especially as exceedingly well as Donald Trump succeeded as president, even in despite of all of that opposition that he got from Democrats and some Republicans, they cannot possibly allow anyone to think that an outsider could run the government as well as some political partisan hack who's been in the system for five decades. Joe Biden has been in politics his entire adult life, suckling from the government tit. He's never had a private sector job of note. Every dime he has made in the form of salary and compensation has been paid for by you and by me in the form of tax dollars. Make no mistake about that reality, my friends. They don't want Donald Trump to run because he was so successful, because he made America great again. And love him or hate him, he may be the last and only hope of keeping this country afloat. That's all the time I have for this Sunday morning edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.